0: Psalm 65. Praise awaits you, O God, in Zion. To you our vows will be fulfilled. O you who will he- who hear prayer, to you all men will come. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with With awesome deeds of righteousness, O God our Saviour, the hope of all ends of the earth and the farthest seas, who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the turmoil of the nations. Those living far away fear your wonders, where morning dawns and every evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain. For so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the desert overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks. And the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing.
1: Yeah, last uh, sermon, last service, last uh, everythings for the year coming up. Uh, let me pray, and we'll um, dig into a psalm that I hope is really encouraging for this last sermon of the year. Uh, Heavenly Father, you've guided us through a rough year um, faithfully, You've kept us near to you. You've not forsaken any of your promises. Uh, And now we've made it to the end of the year. Um, As we look back, help us to see your goodness uh, in all things. Help us to know that you're a good God that provides bountiful blessings. And we pray that you might open our eyes to see you in a different way today, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so we've made it to the end, end of 2020. If we search our memories, we'll probably find lots of good things in there. Uh, But for the most part, it's been a year that most of us would be happy to see the back of. I don't imagine that most of you feel like you crushed the year, more like you were crushed by the year. I won't list it for you, but there have been tons of major disasters that have erupted in the world this year. You already know them. Um, And you know the little disasters that have erupted just in your world this year. And maybe those were much worse than the big ones. So as we reach the end of the year, it's nice to be able to look back um, at things when everything's slowed down. Even if it's a year like this one, it's still worthwhile reflecting. Uh, So I'm going to give you one minute to just think through the year in whatever way you want to. Uh, So it might be chronologically. uh, You might want to think through the really good things and the bad things. You might want to um, think through your regrets and your hopes. Whatever it is, take advantage of this one minute. Um, Even pray if you want. And try and come up with one word to sum up your year. Uh, I'll ask at the end if anyone wants to share their word. So you can share it on Padlet or on Zoom. Uh, But no pressure to if no one wants to share. But take the minute because the holidays will get away from you and you might not have even one minute later on to reflect on the year. So just do it now. Um, One minute, sum up the year, your own year in one word. And we'll do a full minute. It'll feel like a long time but we'll start from now. All right. That was a minute. Um, We're probably not too used to silence these days. So your mind probably went all over the place. But hopefully you, you managed to rein it in for a bit and think about the year that's passed. Uh, what'd you come up with? What was your word? Does anyone want to share? No pressure. If you don't want to share, I've got a word already. So no pressure if no one wants to share. A word to sum up your year? Grateful. Susan, so positive. Grateful. Yeah, great. Tricky. It has been a tricky year. Like, nothing's gone to plan. Like, all every plan you've had has gone out the window. Uh I did this last night, and I was actually surprised I had a lot more positives than I thought I would. Um, But despite that, the word that I've um, summed up the year with, uh, for me, was constrained. So the obvious thing is the lockdowns, the regulations with COVID, you can't go outside, you can't sit here, all that sort of stuff. Uh, But beyond that, I felt like my time was constrained. There was less travel time, but I couldn't get stuff done still relationships were constrained, they weren't what I wanted them to be, uh, my limits felt constrained, i had plans in my mind, and I just couldn't achieve them. And so I would say that my year was constrained. And uh, Maybe you resonate with a few of those things. Oh, wow, there's a few on Padlet, that's, that's totally unexpected. <laughs> Sorry, uh, online people, I sometimes forget. What's, uh, what's the frustrating? Yes. It was a very frustrating year and stressful, depending on his grace and mercy. Yeah, Surprising? Oh, wow, surprising is a nice one. Um, so hopefully, whoever that is, like is, you've got a few kind of nice surprises, not just nasty surprises. But yeah, all those words, like they kind of hover around this thing where it's like the year wasn't great, most of them. Susan was very positive. But when we dive into the psalm today we see the psalmist describe a, a different year than what most of us described. Uh, it's almost the polar opposite of 2020. He uses words like overflowing and filled and blessed. And I think the word that the psalmist would use to sum up his year uh, would be goodness. It was a good year. Verse 11 says, uh, the, verse 11, the psalmist says in verse 11, you, that's God, crowned the year with your bounty. Or more literally, with your goodness, it'll be helpful to remember later on that that word "bounty" literally means goodness. <clears throat> if you can keep that in mind, so lucky guy, he obviously he obviously wasn't singing. I'm guessing about this year, but well, it could be true that he was just singing about maybe one good year that he had. Uh, verse zero, I think, as it's marked in your Bibles, it. it Doesn't really have a verse number. It just says for the director of music. Uh, Says that the song is for the director of music. So probably this psalm was sung by groups of people, in worship year in and year out. And some people think that was sung by more or less all of Israel uh, before the harvest during one of their ceremonies. So more or less they think all of Israel sang this in their ceremonies. So in some sense the psalmist was writing about 2020. They would sing this year in and year out. They sung this about this year of constraint, which is what I called it. Some of you called it the year of surprises, the year of maybe suffering, the year of trickiness, whatever your word was. They're singing it about this year. But how can they sing this song about every year, about years like this? It would have been easy to sing it, Uh, in years of bumper harvest, but there were years of drought as well, and maybe year after year of drought. So how could they say that God crowned that year with his goodness? It's a timely question to ask because we've reached the end of a tough year and, and it's an important question to ask because there's probably harder years for us in store for us. The psalmist seems to see the year in a different way. He sees God at work in the year in a different way. So the question that we're entering this psalm with this psalm with, is, how can the psalmist see this in every year? <clears throat> so verse 1, the psalmist sets the scene for us. God's reigning in Zion, in Jerusalem, and judging by some of the language later on in the psalm, it's probably like a temple setting. And praise is waiting to be unleashed. And, and praise is waiting to be unleashed. And vows are waiting to be fulfilled. So vows are kind of those things that you promise to give God in exchange for something. So in TV shows, it's like, God, if you get me out of this situation, I'll become a priest. Or something like that. It's the type of thing that you've maybe said in your head or vowed in your mind when you've been in trouble. God, if I can get this report done in time, I'll never again procrastinate and I'll pray every day. What the psalmist has in mind is probably something like, God, if you bring rain, if you break this drought, I'll sacrifice at your altar, I'll give you a bull, I'll give you a calf, something like that. So there's this praise waiting to be unleashed and vows waiting to be fulfilled, but not until God brings his goodness about So right now there's silence because they're waiting to see if he'll act. But verse 2, the psalmist knows God. He's the God that answers prayers. The nation's streaming to Zion because there's only one God who's like this. Only one God who answers prayers. In verse 3, the psalmist takes us back to God's past faithfulness. He remembers his own sin and says to you, Remember that time you were overcome by sin. For every Christian, we know that that was us at one time or another. Our sin was too much for us to handle. But God forgave us. The psalmist was overcome by his sin. But God overcame his sin with forgiveness. So he says in verse 4, Blessed are the ones you you choose and bring close because they experience the goodness of your house." That's the temple. The ones that are close to God get to experience his holiness and his goodness. Verse 5, you, the God who answers prayers, answers us in awe-inspiring ways. He answers us in more amazing ways than we pray for. And the longer you've been a Christian and following God, the more true you know that is. You just see his faithfulness over time. He's the one that answers prayers with awesome and righteous deeds. And so they're the hope not just of the people in Zion, but the hope of all the peoples of the earth and the people at the far ends of the sea. Verses 6 to 7, creation is marked by his reliability. The mountains that you hike through and the solid ground that you build your home on They're immovable and unshakable. So imagine the steadiness of the one that made them. The seas and their waves, they rise up and sink ships and they swell up into tsunamis and destroy cities. So imagine the calmness of the one who calms them. He even calms the nations. So the whole earth is filled with signs of his reliability. So much that even the earth itself has to sing about it. This is the God who answers prayers, the one our praise and vows wait for. And then lastly in verses 9 to 13, we get a picture of the answer to their prayers. The word that's translated as care in verse 9 has this idea of um, visiting or being with. So it's not that God just cares for the earth, but he comes to the earth. He's not just in Zion now. His presence is everywhere. It's all throughout the land. And just by his presence, the land is brought to life. Wherever he goes, it's enriched. The mountains he ordained by his strength, God similarly ordains the grain to grow. And with the waters that he calmed, he drenches the soil. The world's cycles are all run by him. We find out they aren't just something that's been set in place and run on their own, but it's done by God. The rain that enriches the soil, that waters the grain, that provides food for the people, it's all controlled by God and it's all amplified in his presence. The meadows overflow with with flocks, the valleys are full of grain. And so the psalmist says, you crown the year with your bounty or you crown the year with your goodness. So we go back to the question that we started with. The psalmist and the people can sing this song easily, this psalm easily in years of plenty, but how can they sing this in years of drought? I think the answer comes when you understand that there's similarities between the temple and the whole world in this psalm. You might not have noticed, but we've slowly wandered from the setting of a temple in Jerusalem at the start of the psalm to the setting of mountains and valleys and farmlands throughout the whole earth. We began by talking about sin and rescue and forgiveness and temple courts, but now we're talking about rain and harvest and soil. It's hard to draw the line where he stops talking about temple and starts talking about creation. They're all kind of mixed and blurred because that's what the psalm itself kind of does. It kind of merges the two pictures. It shows us the overlap of God's wonderful forgiveness and his wonderful harvest and provision. Like the temple was filled with God's goodness and the people experienced it as overwhelming forgiveness for their sins, and they experienced his blessing, so when God visits the earth, It is filled with his goodness. The whole earth is filled with his goodness. The parched land is overwhelmed by rain and fertility. And they experience a harvest that's overflowing. These two things are blurred. They're not separate and neat. They're intertwined. And you see in the final verse that the earth itself sins. The valleys and the meadows shout for joy. There's no more silence like there was at the start of the psalm. Because God has answered the prayers of his people. It's time for praise. It's time for the fulfilling of vows. So the psalmist can say that God crowns the year with his goodness in years of plenty and in years of drought and in years like 2020. Because God's goodness in the temple is not separate from his goodness in the world. If you see His goodness in forgiveness, you realise that it's connected to His goodness in the cycles of the year. So the psalmist every year, so to the psalmist, every year is crowned with God's goodness, because when God drew near to us, and our sins were overwhelmed by His forgiveness, the psalmist says that that's true of every year the psalmist sings about not only in the years of plenty, but in the years of drought. Every year is crowned with God's goodness because every year we remember his faithfulness and forgiveness. But also many years are crowned with his goodness in that years do sometimes bring a bountiful harvest. Many years are good ones. Even this year, if we look for fruit, we could find it. And that's all by God's hand, and he's the answerer of prayers. If not this year, then next year. If not next year, then the year after. And also, there'll be one year. There'll be one year that's crowned with his goodness as well, in that we're moving towards a day when God will visit the earth, and we see that in Revelation, and we'll pick it up uh, at the start of next year when we finish it off. There will be a year that's more wonderful than this psalmist even describes where the earth is new, where sins are wiped away, where the earth is always rich and always bountiful. So the psalmist kind of gives us fresh eyes to see this year that's passed. No doubt the year was hard, and some of you will be going through things that I and no one else here knows about. But that tension of a hard year and a good year is um, found in the psalm as well. The psalmist knows it well. Remember, we started the psalm in silence. There's silence as we wait for God's goodness to roll out into the world. Praise waits and vows wait to be fulfilled. The is never really as good as we hope. I imagine the psalmist probably never saw a harvest as bountiful or as lush as the one he actually describes in the psalm. But he remembers the God who overwhelmed his, sin, his sins with forgiveness. And the psalmist asks you, do you remember the God who overwhelmed your sins with forgiveness? The God who controls the cycles of the year is that same God. The goodness you have through forgiveness will inevitably flow, overflow to all parts of life because he's a, a God of abundant goodness. That's just who he is. Because God is who he is, we have a sure hope that our prayers will be answered. Our God is the answerer of prayers. And we'll get more than we ask for. Remember his faithfulness in forgiving our sins? The psalmist says that's not too different than his faithfulness to the world. And there'll be a time when God visits the earth And we'll experience the fullness of his goodness. The grounds will be drenched. The earth will be soaked in goodness. And the year will be crowned with goodness. And you'll produce a yield that you can't imagine. But for now, there's silence in the singing of the psalm. Praise waits and vows wait to be fulfilled. But you can sing this psalm before the harvest. You can see that before the harvest this year and before the harvest every year. You can say that God crowns the year with his goodness because you remember the goodness of the God who overwhelmed your sins with forgiveness. Let me pray. Uh, Lord, you have given us goodness this year and every year. Uh, And often we don't see or we forget it, but we ask that you might put that in the forefront of our minds, especially as we head into a new year. We ask that uh, your goodness in the temple, your goodness of the forgiveness of our sins, will make us praise you and make us look forward to your goodness coming uh, onto all the earth. We pray, Lord, that we won't forget how good you are to us now and in the future, and that we might hope in you as the answer of our prayers. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now it is time for Q&A, and I think we've got one from Padlet. Um, so, Reuben John, would you like to come up? <laughs> the question is, do you have any tips for self-examination of the heart as we close out the year? That's a, that's a really good question. Um, I have a lot of tips. I don't have much experience. I think I have a lot of things in my head that I would have liked to have turned into patterns in life. But, um, yeah, it, it's actually hard to build it into a pattern. Anyway, so my tips. I'll give you tips. Um, I think journaling is a fantastic way of um, examining yourself over a period of time doesn't have to be daily journaling. It could be like once a month, even once a year. But if you do it over enough years, um, you can see, I think, how God works in you um, and in your heart and in your desires over a period of time. Because if you look back to yesterday, you can't really see much change. But if you look back to a year ago or even 10 years ago, uh, I think you'll see immense growth. Uh, So one tip uh, that I think is really invaluable is journaling. That doesn't have to be like a huge paragraph. It might just be one line. Um, uh, A particular take on that that I'm hoping to start next year actually is um, I'm going to buy just a pot or a jar. You can make it like a fancy one if you want. Uh, But what I'm going to do is uh, have a post-it note next to that and every time like I have a prayer or something I want or something I'm thankful for, I'm just going to write on the post-it note, chuck it in the jar. And that will be my kind of casual slash informal journaling and at the end of the year, I'll tip them all out uh, and go through them all and just see what I've uh, desired in the year, uh, how God has maybe changed my desires, how he's maybe given me things that I haven't thought of. Um, so I think uh, the, the, if you kind of abstract that a bit, the tip for self-examination, at least as far as I've thought it through, is to get like a re- find ways, interesting ways to get a really big view um, on, your, uh, on your heart over a, an amount of time. Uh, something that just occurred to me, I'm, I'm rambling a bit now, but something just occurred to me could be that you might use um, Facebook and Instagram as ways that you journal. You might want to just look back at 10 years of Facebook posts and see the types of things that you talked about 10 years ago and the types of things that you talk about now. It's not perfect because it's curated and you, you kind of give it a particular spin because you're going to put it out in front of people. Um, but that might be good. And the last day of the year, you might want to scroll back through uh, as far as your Facebook feed goes and just see what you've posted and what photos you've done and just have a think at how God's kind of works through each of those things. Um, so that's, that's probably my big tip for self-examination. Um, And then, if you want to get deeper into it, um, there's uh, some of like the older church fathers have like spent a lot of time thinking about this. So one guy's Ignatius of Loyola, I think. Basically, he's got like a book, a thick book of like all these different practices that I started reading and then never finished. Um, But like he he would have, he would use the imagination in a lot of things. So he might. uh, read a uh, part of the gospel and then he'd like pause and he'd be like imagine yourself in that situation uh, and like you're watching that scene and you saw Jesus do this how would you react and then that could kind of give you insight into your own heart as well uh, so there's lots of interesting ways to do it but really you're trying to get perspectives on yourself uh, unusual perspectives on yourself that you don't see day to day uh, so hopefully that's a really great question I hope you kind of Whoever wrote that gets onto some self-examination of the heart, uh, because it's a really great, um, it's an encouraging thing to see how you've grown and uh, hopefully it helps you grow further as well. And you might find some really um, pleasant things that God's really blessed you with this year even. Uh, So if that person wants to chat to me specifically, like, yeah, I've got a lot more ideas as well. Not that I've done them, just have the ideas. Okay. Um, that seems to be the only question we have in Padlet. How about you guys here? Do you guys have any questions that you want to ask? You know, ask away. Remember, this is the last one for the year. <laughs> so ask away. And uh, and I mean, I'm sure Reverend John will be able to try to answer them. Uh, or if you feel uncomfortable, you uh, I'm sure Reverend John is more than happy to speak to you or for you to come and see him afterwards as well. So